2: Welcome to Podsash, your podcast discovery show. I'm Dax Holt. I am Alicia Renee. And we're going to jump right in. we got a, a big one coming up here. We've got Zayd Ayers-Dorn, the host of Mother Country Radical, which is a huge new podcast. Uh, this is a, a podcast done by number one, Odyssey, number mm-hmm. two, Crooked Media. Um, and they are, they got me excited about this podcast yeah. because this is a, centering about a big deal. Zayd I want to get your perspective. If someone was going to tune in, what would you tell them this podcast is about?
0: Yeah. So it's really, uh, it's a family history, first and foremost. It's about my family, but it's also a history of kind of radicalism and resistance in America. So my parents, I grew up underground. My parents were on the run from the FBI when I was growing up, which is a crazy story. I, I don't think I even knew how crazy it was when I was a kid. But um, you know, my mom was on the FBI's top 10 most wanted list. We were living under assumed names. We were traveling around the country and that was my childhood. And so it took me a while to kind of grow up, figure out what all that meant. And and then kind of the, the podcast is about me digging back into my family's story and trying to understand what my parents were doing, what laws they broke, why they did that. And, you know, they were uh, activists in the 60s and they were anti-Vietnam War activists and also anti-racist activists. And they were involved in a bunch of kind of, you know, escalating actions, starting with just peace demonstrations and going all the way into bombing government buildings. So they really kind of went from, you know, what you might see now today, protesting on the streets, all the way to being uh, most wanted fugitives, all with the goal of kind of changing the country and
2: and changing the world. That is a hell of a plot line, by the way, for a podcast. (laughs) It (laughs) is. It is.
3: And unfortunately, a lot of the things that you talk about, Zaid, in your podcast, we're still experiencing to this day. So I just want to, before we get into the bones, of your podcast. I want to just get an overall thought and opinion, uh, your perspective on what your parents think about what's going on right now and the level of activism that's being displayed right now with everything that's happening with police brutality, LGBTQIA rights, lack thereof, um, what's happening right now as as far as the social injustices inflicted towards black people. um, What, in your words, I'm pretty sure you 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 can speak for your parents, Uh, Mm -hmm. what do you think their thoughts are about the climate right now and current day activism?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's a great question. I think like a lot of people, on the one hand, they're very concerned with what's going on in the country and in the world. And on the other hand, I think they're very encouraged by the fact that young people are making their voices heard, standing up, trying to change things. And, you know, I started working on this project during the Trump era when I was trying to think about like how how can people, you know, usefully resist things and and try to make positive change in the world. I had no idea until I started digging into the story, how much of their story is really replaying itself right now. I mean, yes. a ton of the activism they were involved in was sparked by, you know, police killings of black people in the sixties and seventies by the killing of Fred Hampton yes. and by, uh, you know, there was this kid, Clifford Glover, who was murdered in Queens by an undercover police officer, in 1973, 10 years old, he was carrying a candy bar. They thought it was a gun and they shot him and that that, that moment really like radicalized a lot of people, my parents and a lot of their friends. And it it really kind of spurred the kind of movement that they were involved in.
2: So Zaid, I do want to ask you, um, you know, this podcast is centered around your parents and uh, Mm -hmm. Bernadine, your mom, and how Mm -hmm. she made the FBI's top fugitive list. Mm -hmm. uh, And you growing up in that atmosphere, number one, I want to know, what is the standing with your mom and the government? And number Mm -hmm. two, (laughs) What is that like having a parent on the FBI's most wanted list? So, wh- yeah. how's your mom? And then uh, we'll go with the second question. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: my mom's good. You know, she just turned eighty, believe it or not. So, so um, you know, she's lived a long happy life. She's got uh, what I think six grandkids now. Um, and you know, she when when we when I was a kid, uh, my parents turned themselves in. They've been on the run for twelve years. They had decided that raising children as fugitives was not the way they wanted to go. And so they made a deal with the government. A lot of the charges had been dropped because of FBI misconduct. They turned themselves in. My mom did go to jail when I was a kid, so I have vivid memories of you know visiting her at jail and and what that was like as a family to have a, a, a you know one of your parents incarcerated. But then she got out and she went on to become a lawyer. She became a law professor. My dad became a professor of education. So, you know, in a weird way, my adolescence was pretty normal. Like we went back to having normal lives. And um, what it's like for her now, you know, I think in terms of the podcast, I would say she's very interested in it. I think she's pleased that I'm interested in in her life and in kind of re-exploring her story. I think she's also scared. I mean, she told me when I first started talking to her, you know. I'm scared of you digging around, you know? I mean, I think any parent would be scared of their kid, like looking into all the old diaries and photo albums and everything. Mm. But of course, especially my parents who were, you know, breaking the law back then. But ultimately, I mean, I came out of it really um, impressed with her, you know? I mean, she didn't do everything right. She made a lot of mistakes. And I I talk about that on the podcast, but there is something inspiring to me You know, in our generation, you look at all these people who want to make change, but all they're doing is, you know, posting to social media or talking about it.
3: That's it. And these
0: people, yeah, these people, not just my parents, but their friends, black and white, were really out there putting their lives on the line, their future on the line. Yeah, so I admired that.
2: Zay, did you, when you were young, did you know that your life was necessarily different from a lot of the people, like you being on the run? Did you know you were on the run? Because I feel like parents can shield their children from knowing What's really yeah. going on, and it's not until later in life do you realize that your life was so different. So, did you know it was different? Did you ever feel unsafe growing up?
0: Mm. Yeah, it's funny. You know, I think one of the funny things is my parents never hid anything from me. They told me when I was like three years old that the FBI was chasing us. So they, it was I wasn't hidden from it, but at the same time, you know, you think how does a three-year-old process that information? I don't think I even knew what the FBI was. I just knew it was like the boogeyman, like somebody was coming after us, and it was not good. And we had to tell people fake names. So I knew things, but I didn't, I didn't know all the truth about it. you know. And honestly, I think this is probably true of a lot of people, even people who had relatively normal childhoods. You just process what comes at you. You just figure this is what it's like. And then it's only once you're an adult, you look back on it and you think, oh, that was weird. Like, that's not how most people live. You know, for me, a lot of the kids I knew growing up, they were also on the run from the FBI. You know, the kids I was friends with were
3: weather community. kids
0: and panther cubs. Yeah, they were the children of black panthers, the children of weather underground members. And like, we had a community, we all were experiencing that. So that was weird. But you know, there, I tell a story in the, in the podcast about when when we were taking a road trip one time, we were on our way to Chicago to turn ourselves in. But if we got caught on the way, my parents were gonna go to prison for decades. So it was a very high stress, high emotion road trip and we stopped at a McDonald's at a rest stop along the way, and we were waiting in line, and this nice older couple started talking to me. You know, I was a cute five-year-old kid, and they said, where are you going? And I said, we're going to Chicago. And they said, why are you going to Chicago? And I said, we're going to turn ourselves into the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> and my dad was like, oh, we don't talk about that. We don't talk about that. And he like picked me up and ran for the car, you know? Yeah. You know there are moments like that where like a kid doesn't know. Yeah. You know, I knew, but I didn't know.
3: Were you old enough to remember being in the presence of an Asada Shakur or Fred Hampton or... Angela Davis, or were you just too young? And, and I ask that because if you were old enough to remember, uh, mm-hmm. was there something said or something done that you remember that shifted something in your perspective uh, mm. n- that you still carry to this day?
0: Yeah, uh, so, so some of them, you know, well, unfortunately, some of them like Martin Luther King, Fred Hampton were killed before I was born. You know, so I never got to meet them, but some of them, Angela Davis and and uh, Jamal Joseph and, you know, members of the of the Panthers and of the Black Liberation Army. I met those people. I admired them growing up. Um, the guy I was named after, of course, I didn't get to meet Zayd Shakur, but I I had a picture of him over my over my crib. You know, and my parents told me stories about those people. So, yeah, growing up, I was always thinking about. You know what people had given i knew that people had died i knew people had gone to prison and i visited people in prison a lot you know my my adopted brother his parents were in prison and so we spent a lot of time in those visiting rooms talking to people who had really paid if not the ultimate price at least paid a big price for
2: what they did I was reading, and it seems like for many years, you didn't want to write about your parents' story. Mm -hmm. So why did you choose to do a podcast? What is it about podcasting that medium spoke to you, and you finally decided to open up about your your childhood and your parents?
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, there's really two reasons. One is personal to me, and one is kind of more political, or it's about, about what's going on in the world. And in a way, both of those reasons changed over the course of the time I was working on this. But... The personal thing was that my mom was turning 80 and my adopted mother, Kathy Boudin, was ill. She had cancer. And I felt, you know, I felt like these are two historical figures. And and like I said, these are people who literally arm in arm with Martin Luther King, met Muhammad Ali, met Fred Hampton. And I'm just thinking when they're gone, who's going to know these stories? So Mm -hmm. I wanted to preserve that, you know, and it was during the pandemic and we were all isolated in our little houses and pods and everything. And I was like. I want their voices on tape. So that was my first thought. It's just, how do I preserve that? And it turned out, you know, while I was working on, on the podcast, Kathy, my adopted mom got sicker, and then she just passed away a few weeks ago, just as we were about to release the show. So I do feel like it was a an act of preservation, you know, an act of, of just keeping that history. And then the second thing, the political thing, was, you know, I was thinking a lot about um, how you can resist, what that means. and. You, you asked why a podcast. And I think one thing is, we've seen the version of the 60s. That's like a, in documentaries. And you know, you see the old black and white footage, and you see the talking heads and old people telling us the story of when they were young. And that's very valuable. But I think one of the things podcasts do that's so interesting is they can, you know, they allow you to imagine yourself being there. And what this story does is, you know, it really puts you back in 1970 with a young Fred Hampton with the young Asada Shakur with the young Bernadine Dorn and says like, imagine yourself, imagine these 25 year olds, these 23 year olds sitting there doing this. And, and we have the tape and the interviews and the, the archival footage to kind of put you in those rooms, put you in those safe houses, even put you in a house that's in the process of exploding because there's a bomb workshop in the basement. I mean, we have people telling those stories in real time in first person. And I think a podcast allows you to see exactly what you guys are talking about, that this isn't some old history lesson. A lot of this stuff feels like the young people we know right now who are trying to change things. And so I wanted you to, to be able to immerse yourself in that way. And that's what I, the show tries I love do. that
2: because really podcasting is, it really does give you a different perspective than any other medium out there. Because like you said, half of it is in your brain that's and true. half of it yep. you are living it. Has your, has your mom listened to any of the episodes? Has she given you any feedback mm-hmm. of what she thought so far?
0: She hasn't listened to the episodes because, you know, I, I I felt like it was my responsibility to tell the story I thought was most true, and I don't always agree with everything she says, and and I wanted to, you know, be honest to myself and authentic to what I think is is really what happened. I mean, I'm a little nervous about her listening to it, but of course, I've I talked to her the whole time, not only to interview her, but as I was writing the show and as I was recording the show, I was continually going back to all these people and saying. Is this right? Is this how you understand it? How would you see this? How would you see that? And I even sometimes went back and played her little clips and then recorded her reacting to them because, you know, there's disagreements. These organizations, they fell apart, they splintered, people broke up and betrayed each other, people slept together and then ended up with somebody else. So there's all these crazy, like, you know, personal things going on. And I wanted to be able to kind of tell that story and also sometimes, you know, confront them with the contradictions of what was going on and ask them to explain what they, what they thought about it
3: we gotta move it uh, in a different direction uh this mm-hmm. is a podcast discovery show sure um you are a podcast creator <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, what podcasts are you listening to right now
0: yeah well there's a lot i mean I, you guys know better than anybody it's just it, as a form it's just blowing up and kind of getting so much yeah. more interesting yeah so many great things out there um i've been listening to in the dark by madeline barron i've been listening to slow burn by leanne knifock
3: Give us a little brief on those.
0: Yeah, yeah. So in the dark is kind of a true crime investigative podcast. I mean, it's true crime in the sense that it's about you know these these murders and 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 crimes that happened years ago. But what's different is it, does, it instead of just kind of like letting you wallow in the in the kind of gruesomeness of the crime, she really goes back and investigates what happened and sometimes holds people accountable who you didn't expect. You know, holds police accountable for the mistakes they made, holds communities responsible for, for rushing to judgment about a crime. You know, the first season is about a boy who disappears and, is, and, and, and you know, is presumably been kidnapped by a sexual offender, but instead of just kind of giving, giving you the crime, she gives you all the social context that's happening and all the overreactions and all the media and all the law enforcement. And it ends up being just a fascinating investigation of America and how we respond to violence. Um, And, you know, she, I think, was partly responsible in season two for getting a new trial for a guy who had been wrongfully convicted of murders in Mississippi, a Mm. black man who had been tried several times for a crime and um, and, you know, spent decades in prison before her show kind of shone a light on him. So that's Mm -hmm. called In the Dark. I think it's a great a great show.
3: And you had another, oh, what was that one?
0: Burn, slow which Burn, which I
2: totally slow co-sign burn. on. That is a great <laughs> podcast.
0: Yeah, it's a great show. I, I really thought about that a lot while I was working on mine, just the way they take history and make you feel it, make you feel the kind of relevance of it and the immediacy of it and the characters of it. You know, it doesn't just feel like some history lesson. It feels like people, and you're watching them kind of deal with some big thing. And that, that's that's what we tried to do in our show, too.
2: Zaid, thank you so much for joining us. Yes. Such a fascinating podcast. Highly recommend people checking out Mother Country Radicals, which is a collaboration between Odyssey and Crooked Media. Yeah. Uh, you can find that on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. but we'll throw up a link on podsauce.com. So, Zaid, thank you so much.
3: Yes, and as a black woman, I want to thank your parents for their activism work.
2: Thank you, guys.
0: It was a great conversation. I appreciate it.